We're opening up the mailbag. The collective bargaining agreement has a lot of questions. Got some about Jalen Brown, the middle class of the NBA. What happens to them? And trade targets. Kelly Olynyk, anybody? We'll talk about it all right now on the Locked On Celtics pod. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of chance. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, it's Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Green and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day and I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device every Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed, open up your favorite podcasting app, hop into the comments on the YouTube page, do all that, watch the show, listen to the show, I'd love to have you there. Ring the bell on YouTube to make sure you get notified of when I drop a video. I'm John Corrales. I used to play once upon a time. Now I cover the show, the Celtics for Boston sports journal. And today's show is all about the mailbag. And we're opening up the mailbag to get CBA related questions. And within that is just a bunch of trade questions for Jalen Brown. Uh, we get to more CBA specific questions in the second segment. The first segment's all going to be about JB and then some more roster trade target, uh, more general uh, questions in the third segment. Today's show brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA. When you enter the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA, they'll throw in one of these guys, a custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. This thing's kind of cool. So you get one of these for free with your stylish shorts. All right, let's dive into this mailbag. We're going to start off with Jalen Brown questions, and we're going to start with Dylan, who brings up Damian Lillard. And I I know he asked this question before Damian Lillard kind of basically said, absolutely no way am I going to Boston. But he says the the Dame trade makes sense on both sides uh, besides the age factor. Uh, Why do you see Jalen for Dame not as a good trade? It was funny that this came out uh, when it did because this the picture circulating now on Twitter is Damian Lillard basically making clear that he's just not going to Boston no matter what. He will veto a trade to Boston. And Jason Tatum in his Instagram live saying, damn, bro, we get it. You don't like Boston. So funny, funny moment. Uh, but aside from that, I, look, Dame – Actually, I I like the fit. I'm not willing to give up Jalen Brown to get him because of the age factor. But, man, it's hard to argue against having Damian Lillard. I mean, he's – he, you know, the, the Dame time, the the clutch gene, all of that stuff. But, he, he you know, he's injury prone. He's, he's a little smaller. He's, uh, he's not going to help the defense at all. So it, it's it's certainly not uh, – it, it's something that addresses the one thing that I think the Celtics need to address, but you're creating a lot more problems than you're fixing uh, in a lot of ways. But he, he certainly makes the team better. 
He's certainly, uh, I, I would not, if there was another way to get Damian Lillard here, I would be all for it. Um, but I just don't think Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard. No, that's, that's, that's too far. That's too far. I get, I get why people are bringing it up and a lot of this collective bargaining agreement conversation has to do with getting rid of a big salary to kind of help the Celtics, but you also bring back a massive salary. So I don't, I just don't think it works. Uh, and this brings me to Jay who said, I know you're an anti Jalen trade, at least right now. Others have argued that now is the time because with the looming tax apron penalties, he'll be harder to trade later for something that's both good for the roster and economically reasonable um, or getting down towards under the second, second apron. Do you agree? I, I don't think Jalen moving Jalen should it happen is one of those moves that you make to get to under that second apron. That's not what a Jalen trade does. A Jalen trade. If it comes to that is a matter of, getting a better fit in here and spending that supermax money in a better place. And so it's not like a, a Malcolm Brogdon trade, a you know another another trade or other moves to cut salary to get below that that second apron. Sure, that makes sense. You don't trade Jalen for that. That's not what he that's not what a Jalen trade is. A Jalen trade is you know, two years from now where you still haven't won a title and you say, okay, this mix is just not happening. Jason Tatum's going to be 27 at that point. He'll be just starting his own Supermax extension. You, you cut your losses with Jalen, sadly, and you say, because of the new collective bargaining agreement and because you're going to be, you, you have to decide where to spend that money. I think two years from now, you have to enter a mix. And I think I think two years from now, a lot of teams are going to be making that same decision. Is this superstar the right guy for us? Because we've had him for a while, and it's just not panning out. And so Jalen, I, I don't think Jalen trading Jalen now is necessary. I don't think – I think moving somebody else now would be – the better idea for getting under the, the, that, uh, second apron. So yeah, that, that's why. So say the Jalen Brown trade happens two years from now, I believe. Let's get to Gregory. I love JB, but we have to realize our franchise future is at stake. Giving up so much money does picking up Carl Anthony towns. Who's already on, on a supermax. And making almost $100 million less sound like the route the Celtics need to go in. He seems like a better fit for JT. Oh, man. This is an interesting question. Because Cat is amazing, right? Cat is a guy that um, I think... It, has the potential to be the best player in the league. Um, what he doesn't bring is the issue. 
what he doesn't have is the issue. And that's a defensive mindset. He is just terrible defensively. And the quote-unquote motor. I just... I think Carl Anthony Towns' skill set makes him, honestly makes him potentially one of the best big men we've ever seen. And and he's a tremendous shooter, and he's obviously a high-level player. He's an all-NBA-level player. But why, why hasn't Minnesota done anything with him? What, why haven't they gone anywhere with him aside from just barely squeaking to the playoffs. You know, Minnesota with like Kevin Garnett, who is a transcendent player, obviously, they were they were really making runs. I mean, KG was dragging those guys to, you know, multiple playoff wins and 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 really trying to contend. And it's it's not fair to put Carl Anthony Towns in a, in the same boat as Kevin Garnett, but he for a team that is lacking uh, fire, my number one qualm about this Celtics team is that they don't have guys with chips on their shoulders. Carl Anthony Towns does not have a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he fits right in with, you know, he, he is a little on the soft side and he loves to shoot the three. And boy, they'd really love to just like, like he'd be just awesome. Just slide right in and shoot a bunch of threes and, and, Barely play any defense, and and the Celtics can go out scorpion. Maybe you maybe you can run a better offense with him and Tatum, and because you've got a pick and pop and a pick and roll, and you know you you do have options to kind of diversify the offense a little bit more. And you, I think you could definitely have Cat and uh, Tatum work better off of one another. But I, I just I don't think I don't think. Anybody should have seen the recent playoff performances from Carl Anthony Towns and say, that's what we need. I just, you know, I, I, I'm souring on Carl Anthony Towns in a big, big, big way. So maybe because he's got so much talent, he's got so much talent, but I just, his, his performance recently, his playoff just meltdowns. I mean, you're talking about Jalen Brown. Okay, yeah, he had eight turnovers in in Game Seven, but he's at least had good games in these playoffs. He, you've at least been able to count on him from time to time. He had that one horrible game at the worst possible time. But wow, Cat, mm, I can't say how anybody would watch him in that minimal playoff experience and go, "Yeah, yeah, baby, I need that on this team." Sorry. Uh, so. We'll come back. We've got questions about uh, the new collective bargaining agreement more specifically and the different classes of players and what's going to happen to them. And a lot of those guys are, are on the Celtics. We'll talk about that next. First, today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are these really cool uh, shorts that you can uh, do everything in. Really, you can wake up in the morning, put them on, and what do you got? You got a little golf game going on. You're going to go hit the pool. Then you're going to meet your date later on. You can do all of them in your bird dogs, and they're going to look great. Not only can you go out there and uh, play, you know, play some sports in them because they're flexible, you can 
jump into the pool because they dry quickly because of the material. And then you go on your date because they look good and they fit right. They fit, they fit slimmer through the thigh. They give you that nice sculpted leg look. And look, we all want that sculpted leg look. Uh, they fit better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Uh, Bird Dogs invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit. So you don't have to sacrifice the movement. And also anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com. Check it out. Birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA, as a matter of fact. Enter the promo code LockdownNBA. You get this guy, a free Yeti. Let me hold it up to the camera. It's on YouTube. Free Yeti style tumbler. So when you're out there on the course, you want to put this this little guy on your uh, dashboard of your cart. You get your coffee. You get your lemonade. Hot stays hot. Cold stays cold. And uh, you got your Bird Dogs logo on there so you can show off. Be like, yes, I'm stylish. I got my Bird Dogs. Check them out. Locked on NBA is the promo code. BirdDogs.com slash locked on NBA. You get that tumbler. You will never want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you that. Hey, thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Make Lockdown NBA your second listen. Lockdown NBA has got the league covered, the finals covered like nobody else. I host the show on Wednesdays with Jake Madison. I hope you uh, enjoy the show on Wednesdays and the rest of the week. It's a great show. Check it out. Let's get back into these collective bargaining agreement questions, with starting with Dean, who says... If top-tier teams are likely to afford less middle-class players, what happens to them? Does this mean bottom-tier teams are going to be loaded with them, uh, overpaying them, or are these players going to be playing outside the NBA where they can get more money or opportunity? I don't think there's an opportunity outside of the NBA for these guys. I think this is – and the money, the money overseas is good, but it's not mid-level NBA good. So um, I think – I think that's out. When I talk about middle-class salaries, there's going to be a crunch on these guys. Um, and it's it's going to be specifically for the teams that are, are close to that super tax line, that second apron. Um, there, there is going to be, there, there are going to be plenty of teams that have uh, the money to pay guys. And so, who are you going to, who do you want to play for? Um, I think, I think what's going to happen is if you play for one of the lesser teams that hasn't had to pay for their stars, you can get a little bit closer to the money that you might think you deserve. But these teams that are contending and that have the money crunch are going to say, we've only got this much money to give you. And we can't go above this line or else we're, we're way over the super tax and we, we just can't afford it. Or we don't want to, we don't want to be in that line. We can't, we can't have a salary that high because the taxes are so punitive and we can't have any, um, we don't have any way out of any, you know, no flexibility, let's say. So do they, do those players still sign with the good teams? Or are the good teams just going to miss out on all the best players because the best middle-class players, because those, those guys are going to be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to go to Boston. I'm going to go to Indiana because 
they're on the come up and they've got money to spend. And I, I think if I go there within a couple of years, they can be contenders. And it's probably true. So I think, I think the system is more stacked against the best teams. You know, if you may, if you're good enough to get to that top tier and you have two stars and you're looking to fill the rest of your roster out, um, you might be stuck. I think that's the goal of the CBA. The goal of the CBA is to push everybody into the middle and create parity. So every couple of years, there's a new team on top. This year, it's, you know, Miami. Next year, it's Boston. Next year, it's, you know, uh, Indiana. Next year, it's Chicago. Next year, it's, you know, Orlando. It, it, you know, could be, it, I think that's the, the, the whole goal of this system. So the middle-class players, th- there will be a hit in their salaries because some of those guys are going to, are going to want to play for good teams and they're going to like their situations. The opportunity is in a place like Boston. They're just going to have to take less and you know, we'll see. It's, it's just a wild kind of opportunity for everybody. And look, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to talk through these things. And sometimes as I'm talking through them, I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe there's, maybe there's a different way here. So uh, let's get to Matt who says, um, what will the outcomes be for different classes? It's a similar question. The outcomes for different classes of players. Um, and he goes into everybody, you know, two-way guys, minimum guys, everybody. So let's start with the two-way guys. The two-way guys, I think, are going to be fine. Two-way guys are, are going to – they don't make – their money doesn't count. So they'll be fine. And, and, and the two-way slots might be used – more creatively, I think some some guys that um, it's not going to be as developmental as it, it was um, originally intended to be. It could just be a way to just get a couple of extra salary slots um, or extra players in there. I, I don't know how the two-way thing can be manipulated, but I'm sure it can be manipulated. Minimum guys are always going to be fine. Uh, rookie contract guys are going to be interesting. Uh, I think rookie contracts teams will get out of rookie contracts sooner than than before. I think rookie rookie deals the first the first non guaranteed year, the first team option, I should say. I think a lot of guys who might have gotten that option picked up are going to start to get let go from some of these better teams. That space between the lottery and the second round, I think, is going to be no man's land. I think teams are going to going to have no patience for guys in that 15 through 20, 20 through 30 is going to be tough. The closer you get to the end, uh, those guys definitely make less, but guaranteed contracts in this scenario for the, in the, the closer you get to the end, the better the teams are. So those teams are going to theoretically be more expensive. So I, I feel like, um, those, those players will get their options. Um, I think declined over, over time. So that's, that's my, my, uh, that's where I am on that. Uh, and let's, let's, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to save the rest because I'm going long here. I'm going to save the rest for the next, the next segment where we try to rapid fire my way through that, uh, 
and and finish off the mailbag podcast. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel. Head on over to FanDuel right now. They've got you covered through the NBA Finals with no sweat first bets for all of you new customers. No sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. It's a safe and secure app. You get paid instantly when you win. Promotions all over the place. So make sure you just kind of you can scroll through and and get your uh get whatever, maybe find something new to bet on. Uh, there's no better place to bet the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown right now. Get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars, twenty five hundred dollars at fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're going to bet, please gamble responsibly. Thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Next week, I'll start my individual off-season podcast. So diving into Joe Mazzulla, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, just individuals within the Celtics, kind of assessing their seasons, really taking a harder look at, at what, they, what they've done, what they need to do, all of that stuff. That's all next week here on the podcast, so make sure you're subscribed. Let's get through the end of this uh, these these questions. There's a lot left to go, so let's get to it. Adam says, uh, you suggested moving on from Brogdon and Grant Williams in podcasts this week. If it happens, would you be concerned about losing two of the best three-point shooters in the NBA this past season, especially if it's unlikely Horford can repeat his performance? Okay. So, yeah, losing three-point shooting on this team – could hurt, especially a team that's so reliant on three-point shooting, right? That, But I think they've got plenty of shooting, first of all. I think Al Horford, this is – it's wild how he dropped off in the playoffs, and I don't like how that happened. I feel like he, this is where he is now as a player. He, will he drop off, potentially? Um, probably some. but. I don't think it's all going to go away, despite how some of those playoff games uh, went for him. But still, uh, Brogdon and and Grant Williams shooting is is going to be tough to replace. But also at the same time, I, I'm kind of okay with moving on from at least one of these three point shooters to some degree because I, I just kind of want somebody on this team that does something else. And I know that this, it sounds, maybe it sounds irrational and maybe I'm just thinking of things the wrong way, but it would be nice if somebody on this team can do other things. And maybe you sacrifice some level of shooting for, for something, you know, I don't know, better cutter, better driver. I don't know, but Malcolm was a really good driver. So uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm not suggesting getting rid of Malcolm Brogdon for any basketball reasons, to be honest. I'm just saying for Malcolm Brogdon, yeah, I don't like losing some of the things that he brings. It's it's a financial thing, and I hate suggesting it. I don't want to suggest. I hate suggesting basketball roster moves just based on money. I hate it. I hate talking about money in the NBA. I don't want to talk about money as much as I am. But that's the reality. That's that's just how things are. This new CBA makes this discussion, this all, you know, the this, you know, losing Grant and losing Brogdon, if that's where it comes to, 
yeah, this is this is the exact point. This difficult decision, this difficult conversation, things that I don't really want to happen, that's that's going to happen because of the CBA. This is why I hate it. I don't want to lose those guys. Am I afraid of losing three-point shooting? Yeah. Do I want guys who do multiple things? Yeah. And and maybe losing some shooters can have a, a positive effect because other guys, they're going to have to find other ways to score. That could be a positive. But this whole question clearly strikes a nerve because I don't want to get rid of any good players. <laughs> I think it's stupid that they have to get rid of good players. Dave says, shouldn't this be an all-in year? Before the league year ends, they can make a trade with players and three first get back 125% of the salary. After the league year ends, it's only 110%, but they could push in four first and three swaps. Last offseason, that was enough to get DeJounte Murray. Uh, those are tools that go away once Jalen Supermax and Supermax and Super Tax kick in for 24-25. If there's a year to consolidate, upgrade, and be in the Super Tax, it's the coming year. And they could do it without going much above the tax level from this year because of Horford's extension dropping $17 million from his salary. Why did I read all of those words? Yeah, this, this would be the all-in year, right? If they want to do it, they can. The, the problem is if they go all-in, I'm trying to take the big picture into place. You can go all-in, but if you do, you better win the whole thing. If you go all in and you say, here come all the picks, you got no picks moving forward. You just seven years, just done. You're gone. You don't have the same level of rebuild. I don't think with, with some of these other teams, I with the way this collective bargaining agreement goes, I don't know if the, the blow it up portion of, of rebuilding is going to be the same. I just don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what this final document's going to look like. Maybe it's going to be fine, and you can recoup those picks in a couple of years if you trade Jalen Brown and you get four first backs and three three swaps and all that stuff. But could they go all in this year? Certainly. Absolutely. Nothing says they have to trade guys. I'm just saying it probably, probably are going to because – that super tax does kick into play. Like that does happen this upcoming season. It does happen. And there are going to be ramifications. And so if you can trade a Brogdon now before you, you are absolutely forced to, and you have no leverage, then you do it now. So you can get something back. And so it's not, you know, teams aren't just holding it over, over you. If somebody wants a Malcolm Brogdon and they can trade back somebody that makes, you know, somebody that makes less and it, you can kind of make it work under the current rules, then, then yeah, you do it now and you just deal with it. But could they go all in? Yeah. But I'm telling you, if they go all in and it doesn't work, they are stuck because they are now all in for the foreseeable future. And it just gets in, in, incredibly difficult after that to make a trade. Chris says the CBA clearly puts the Celtics in a tough spot. Who are the other top contenders in similar or worse position? Well, I think, uh, obviously the Clippers and the Warriors are in 
just they are way over the line. Um, Denver, Boston, Phoenix, Milwaukee are the contending teams that are within a reasonable amount. Now, Atlanta, Miami, New York are all good. In my look, I throw Miami into a different tier, like they're not in the NBA Finals right now. Uh, they could be the defending champs for all I know, but they they could be Atlanta, Miami, New York could also be in that that mix. Uh, Denver, Boston, Phoenix, Milwaukee are the teams that going into next season have. We're talking about the top tier contenders, as currently constituted. Uh, throw Miami into that mix because they're close. Atlanta and New York are 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 nearby. Then the Clippers and the Warriors, and I think everybody else is is kind of fine. So that's what nine teams, a third of the league almost, is in is in. I want to say peril, but some level of. Uh, I don't even know what the word is. Some level of danger when it comes to this, and you can say, "Hey, well, that's just a third of the league. Two thirds of the league are fine, but they're gonna when they get good and when they come due." It'll it'll be other teams joining them. Will it always be a third or can it be a half? It's, you know, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's get to Joe. We're, we're, we're finding the home stretch here. Joe says last season it was rumored that the Celtics were in on Kevin Herter and went with Malcolm Brogdon instead. Looking back, do you think Herter would have been the better fit for the roster despite the individual success that Brogdon had? So it's interesting <laughs> if like normally I'd say no, Brogdon was the better fit because Brogdon theoretically brought what the Celtics needed, but that was the better fit when Ime Udoka and Brad Stevens kind of put their plan together under Joe Missoula, maybe Herter would have been the perfect. So at the time Brad Stevens made the deal, Brogdon was the better fit. By the time camp opened, Herter might have been a better fit because bringing that level of shooting off the bench just, I mean, Brogdon also had a very incredible shooting year, but I just think the threat of Herter uh, it made things a little bit different. And, and playing with Tatum and Brown, it it's not talked about enough how, how much that Brogdon Tatum Brown kind of mix didn't work. And that's why Brogdon didn't play a ton with them. That mix just didn't work. And I don't know if it will work if he sticks around, if they can make it work next season. So if, if Herder was indeed on the table and was gettable, I think at the, at the time of the deal, it would have been like Brogdon seemed like the better guy, but, Considering the style of play the Celtics ended up playing, Herter might have been the better the better player. Leo says Celtics could use a big man coach. Is that even a thing? I uh, used to be uh, back in the day when uh, you know, the Celtics had Clifford Ray. That was that was good. He was a, he was a nice uh, big man coach. I, I didn't even know who who they could hire unless. Kevin McHale wants to come out of hiding um, or Hakeem Olajuwon, but none of those guys. There are plenty of big men out there that that could be big men coaches, but the problem is 
it's not, it's not what it used to be. And is there, is there, uh, a need to bring in somebody to teach post footwork and all of that stuff and, and interior passing? No, because teams don't play like that. So just because you have a guy like Robert Williams on the team, could he, maybe, maybe he could spend the summer with Hakeem Olajuwon. Maybe somebody can throw Hakeem, you know, a million bucks and say, all right, here's, you live with Robert Williams now for the summer and make him, make him have better footwork and show him your touch and show him how to, how to play and, and all of that. Uh, but as far as assistance, the big man coach is a relic right now, unless the rules change, which I would love for them to change. I'm, I'm going to go on a big eliminate the corner three campaign this summer. Just prepare yourselves for that. Eliminate the corner three. I think it's done. I think it's cheap. And if, if you can eliminate the corner three and I'll get more into this in a podcast later on in the summer, but if you can do that, now, now a big man coach could be something because spacing changes, what works, what doesn't work, what's efficient, what's not changes. So that could be something that, uh, that changes as well. Let's finish with Frankie. Can the Celtics land Kelly Olenek from Utah in a trade or Stewart from Detroit? Uh, if so, do you think these trades will help them in any way? I don't think Isaiah Stewart's going anywhere, so we can forget about that. They like him there, um, but we'll see. But I think I think I would love him. I would love him. I would actually love him. He's he's a tough guy, man. I I would love Isaiah Stewart on this team. No way. There's just no way he's available. But if he is available somehow, if some weird something happens in Detroit and they say, yeah, we are going to make him available, absolutely. I would I would love him on this team. Just tough. Tough, tough. I want somebody. I want somebody with with his level of toughness on the team. Kelly Olynyk, it's possible, certainly possible. Um, if if a Brogdon deal kind of brings back somebody like a Kelly Olynyk, I kind of tossed that on Boston Sports Journal. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas. I don't. I don't know what it's going to take to get those guys, but New Orleans. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know what Utah's trying to do. But Kelly Olynyk's uh, under contract for one more year. Valanciunas is under contract for one more year. If you can take a flyer on those guys, and, and maybe they work because they're there's floor spacing guys, and and they can play the somewhat Horford role while Horford kind of moves to, you can almost move him to third big status and preserve him, and then see how you know maybe you can unleash him um, as as a more defensive minded guy in the playoffs really, really preserve Al Horford and kind of go that way, then sure, why not? Take a look. Those guys make enough where it's a, a savings in a deal where that involves Brogdon. And who knows? Maybe they could stick around. But yeah, Kelly Olenek, hey, I'm down for Kelly Olenek to come back. I actually, I think he can be, he can be pretty good. I think he can be helpful. And yeah, no, I'll just leave it at that. I think he can be helpful. All right, so uh, thank you so much. If if this podcast, I'm, I'm still working through my new system here 
And so uh, I'm trying to work through some things. If I seem distracted, I apologize. If the show flows a little bit differently, I apologize. I'm trying to figure out how to make all of this stuff work on my own. I don't have a producer or anything like that. So I'm trying to get the little bells and whistles working while not being too disruptive to me or my, you know, train of thought and all of that stuff. So I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for watching. Uh, I got more questions. So there will be another mailbag. I think mailbags in the off season become much more regular. Uh, helps me and, and, and I get a lot of, a lot of answers out to people who have questions. So johncorrales.com slash mailbag, uh, is where to ask the questions. And if you're a subscriber, thank you so much for subscribing. If you're not a subscriber, click that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app, hop on that YouTube page. And I would love it. If you shared the podcast, tell your friends, tell everybody, that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.